This evening, I don't plan to be very long, um, but I hope to deliver what God would have us here tonight. Um, what does the Lord require of us in 2015? Now, the beginning of a year, which only marks the passing of a certain uh, period of time, is really an artificial marking. Because, as you know, when we went from December to January, when we woke up in 2015, life wasn't drastically different. But it had a new name, it was now 2015. And we see the new year as a time of new beginnings. Sometimes we say second chances. And yes, resolutions. But what does it all mean? And I just would like to take this time to see what God has for us in 2015. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you for sparing us that we might be able to gather together again as, as your people to hear your word. We pray that as it is presented, that it will be presented true, unchanged, and as you would have it. We just pray that you would be glorified in all of this, not man, but you, as you are God, and you are worthy of praise, of honor, and truly of glory. May we see you at work among us tonight, and as we disperse and interact with others and spread your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I really like us to consider the year ahead, particularly in the context of being God's people and wanting to please Him in everything that we do. And that really should be our desire, and I hope it is our desire. And if it isn't, let's make 2015 the time that we make it so. What do we want in 2015 that is different from 2014? And you may think that my questions are rhetorical, they aren't, because if you wish to answer them, please feel free. Anybody want anything different in 2015 from 2014? And it can go from what you think is ridiculous to what is really affecting you. As I know, one thing I would like to turn back into 2014 is no that. <laughs> but it's here, and it ain't going back anytime soon. So you either live with it or die with it. But it's, it isn't going anywhere. No, it's not going anywhere. I know, I brought a smile to your face, right, Lindsay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our eternal optimist. But more to the point, the question isn't really, what do we want in 2015? But what does the Lord require of us in 2015? That's the question that we should be asking. And is it any different than what he required of us in 2014? Yeah, we have a habit of wishing one another, I wish you a happy new year, a blessed new year, 
all of God's blessings in the new year. But as his people, we are guaranteed those blessings. You don't have to speak them into existence or wish them into existence. They are ours. All we need to do to really take full advantage of them is to recognize them and be faithful in honoring God in our life. Our God is unchanging. How do we know that? His word tells us that. In the Old Testament, Malachi says, you know, he says, actually, I am the Lord, I change not. James tells us that he's unchanging. Throughout scripture, we see that God does not change. You know, we might change like the way we change clothes and underwear, but our God does not change. And that's something that we need to take comfort from and take guidance from. And if we have that perspective, life becomes a whole lot easier. Because we don't have to worry about the future. Are we going to be blessed in 2015? Well, the answer is yes. Now, what may be difficult for us is, and it's difficult for many people, including me, is that word conform. Are we willing to conform with God's plan? The blessing that he has for us, is that enough for us? Should it be enough for us? Well, my position is yes and yes. Let's look at what the Lord requires of us. You know, and if we are in any doubt, what does James say we should do? If we lack wisdom? Exactly. I'd like to start in the distant past and move forward. Because I like the Old and the New Testament. And actually, the verse that I take with me all the time is Micah 6, verse 8. It's very familiar to all of us, but I'll read it again. He has told you, O, Lord, o man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, or to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your Lord. And that's a good summary, and that's been a guiding light for me. Here the Lord is telling us how we should live, so that he would be pleased. Is that our desire? Okay. Is that our desire? Do we want to please the Lord? First he tells us that we need to act justly. That means no favoritism, no partiality. Whether I'm rich or poor, black, white, anywhere in between, old, young, bald, cursed with lots of hair, doesn't make a difference. The way we act towards one another should be the same. We should extend love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and kindness. That should be abundant in our life. And it shouldn't be for the favored few or the favorite one. We should love loving so much that no matter who comes across us, they can't be they can't help but be affected by our love. Should that be so difficult for those of us who are in the kingdom of God? 
when we consider the great love that's been showered on us by our Lord Jesus Christ. When he established his kingdom, he called us to be his children. He gave us special privileges. He extended love. You know, the great religions of the world, there's an action and there's a consequence. In our kingdom, there's an action and there's consequence. But there's also every action and there's grace. God's love. Showered upon us liberally. And you know, we, 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 we like to say that what God gives us is not for us alone, but it's to be shared. But that includes his love. Can you imagine what our family at Calvary Bible Church would look like if that was just liberally displayed and shared? I think that could be transformational. When we don't choose who we love or why we love, but we just love, regardless. And we are able to receive love, no matter who it comes from. This isn't the order of the day when an act of kindness is extended toward us, or when we are asked to um, extend an act of kindness. That's not show favoritism. And we are also encouraged to, and instructed, to love kindness. To love kindness. Those who love chocolate, or love ice cream, or like me, like peas, rice, chicken, potato salad, macaroni and cheese, and all the good Bahamian stuff. Sometimes you have to tear us away from it. Kindness, if we love kindness, my goodness. Or secondly, you want to be kindness. It's actually an outworking of our loving spirit. There would be no want, absolutely no want, Just think about it. And if there is no want, those blessings that we think that are only wishful thinking, they're real. They're real. They're real. You know, and God is our creator. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. And there is no word or phrase that he has given us that is superfluous. It has meaning, has application, and it's important. Think about it. And then we have the catch-all. Walk humbly with your God. So if you're trying to pick up phrases and say, well, it can't really mean that, think about what does it mean to walk humbly with our God. Seek him. Know him. Trust him. Obey him. Not when it's easy, but all the time. The reward is amazing. I'd like to fast forward to the New Testament, to another familiar passage. In Matthew 5, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, those familiar verses that we call the Beatitudes. 
Give you a chance to turn to them in, in your Bibles. Notice at the beginning of each one of those verses, what's the word that says, what's, what's the word that we see there? Blessed. Now we come to the point of, if you want to have a, the blessed 2015 that we're wishing on everyone that we want for ourselves, the blessing that God has for us, let's look at God's word and see how he wants to bless us, how he has blessed us in the past. And before we actually go into the Beatitudes, let's look at the word blessed. Quite often, what do you think of when you think of, I'm blessed? What's the result in, in, in us? Happiness. But that word happiness doesn't really capture all that blessed means here. We're talking about, pardon me? Fruitful. Favor. Pardon? Successful. Okay. God's favor. Accomplishment. Hope. Joy. Peace. Okay. All those uh, good things, and some of them really capture the essence of that word blessed. Because happiness can be very superficial. What this blessed is talking about, it's an inner joy and a peace that comes from being right with God. Not pleasing your boss or your wife or your husband, because that, that could bring some peace too. <laughs> but that peace that comes by being right with God. And if you're right with God, that relationship with the, those other people they will automatically be right. Now the other people may not be happy, they may not have joy and peace, but you will. Yeah. So our aim ought to be, let's be right with God. How can we be right with God? So that we can actually be blessed. And blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Our is us. And how does God want to bless us? And why is he blessing us? Well, one, he's blessing us because he loves us. And how is he going to bless us? The best way possible. The blessing that we need. Not the blessing that we may want, but the blessing that we need. And as God's people, we need to be willing to comply, to accept that he, in fact, is Lord, and he knows what is best for us. And it isn't necessarily the big bank account. Because that could bring absolute misery. You know, in the old days, you know, the men used to think of having many wives as being a blessing. But sometimes they found that was absolute misery. What we want isn't necessarily what's best for us. Okay, I guess, so that it's safe, I have one wife and I just love her dearly. That way I will have peace in my house tonight. <laughs> but this blessing, it's a pledge of divine reward from our God. For the inner spiritual character of the righteous. That's his people. And that should be us. 
So let's look at the Beatitudes. Let's read them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is one change in it. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What you're being told here is, in the midst of our trials, God is blessing us in our obedience. He is blessing us. This blessing that we are wishing for everyone else and for us, God is telling, it, telling us, you have that blessing. And we can take comfort from his word and base our hope on his promise of blessing. Because his promise is an absolute guarantee. You can take it to the bank. First Caribbean may not cash it, but you can live by it. So let's just take this apart a bit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. Thank you, Sister Brenda. We are all poor. I don't care how much money we have, I don't care how many boats or cars or houses, whatever daddy left us, we need to recognize that we are poor. Talking about our spiritual condition. Poverty. We need God. Humility. Talk about walking humbly without God. Humbly recognize our need for God. And what does he say? What is our blessing? When we recognize this need. When we recognize our poverty. We have an inheritance. The kingdom of heaven. That's a blessing. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, if there's anyone in this room that hasn't experienced the death of a loved one, if you live long enough, you will. That isn't what this is talking about. This is on a spiritual level. Those who mourn, those who express deep and sincere sorrow for sin, for our sin. For my sin. And I express sorrow for my sin. I mourn. I need to repent. And I can gain freedom through the forgiveness of my sin. The Lord will comfort me when I recognize the sinner that I am. 
and I repent of it. The joy of eternal salvation is something you can't pay for. You just can't, you can't buy that. That's a piece that you cannot buy. You know, when the insurance salesman comes to your house and he's selling you that insurance policy, who benefits? You sure don't, unless you're a con artist. But the greatest insurance policy we have is the one that we can cash in. That's the one that Jesus Christ gives us. Eternal life. That's the greatest life insurance policy we can have. And you pay no premium for that, you know. That's a blessing that God gives us. But that's a blessing that's reserved for the poor in spirit and those who mourn, who recognize their nature, our sinful nature, and we seek repentance and forgiveness of sin from Almighty God, our pure God. And then it talks about the meek, blessed are the meek. Well, my goodness. Does the world preach that? That the meek are blessed? You don't stand up for what you're supposed to get? When you aren't the alpha male? Well, you know, somebody has it the wrong way around, and I don't think it's God. You know, the meek is similar to the poor. The meek are those of us who are willing to submit to God's authority. When we're making all these resolutions and these plans, do we think about what God wants, what God expects, or what's going to make us comfortable? Humble ourselves before God. What's going to happen to the meek? What's their blessing? Sorry, what's our blessing? Us meek ones. So, that means all that land you see wherever in life a key, that can be yours, right? <laughs> Ultimately, we'll be heirs of all God possesses. Because we're going to be the only ones left. We're blessed. 2015, like 2014, and all those years before, ever since we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, all those years, we were abundantly blessed. And we will continue to be abundantly blessed. Recognize it. Be thankful for it. Appreciate it. Don't take it for granted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Anybody here been really hungry? Or really thirsty? Like you've been all day, nothing to eat, nothing to drink. And you might be a vegetarian, and you're passing Burger King. And your stomach's growling. Only one thing on your mind. And it isn't 
whether that's organic vegetables or not. If it's a burger, the bigger the better. You need something to eat. You're hungry, you want it, and you want it now. How often do we thirst for righteousness and hunger for righteousness like that? You might hunger for food. You might hunger for and thirst for a promotion, for an easier life, less pain, less sickness, less stress. But do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are we passionate about it? And who's our righteousness? The Lord Jesus Christ. Are we like the deer? Panteth after that water. How important is Jesus Christ in our life? Is it only on Lord's Day? Or when we are reminded to pick up a devotional? But is that a daily thing? Are we constantly in prayer? Is that part of our character? In our decision making, does that come first? Or is it, I'll work it out, and if that doesn't work out well, the fallback is always the Lord. Or do we want to glorify God in everything that we do? That's our desire. That's our, we hunger after that. So that when it's done, and we can see the Lord is pleased, we are ecstatic. We aren't pleased because we made a great prophet, or... We got the pretty girl or the handsome fella or the rich guy or whatever. But because the Lord is pleased, that's all we want to know. We're in the center of the will of the Lord. And when we hunger for that, what's his promise? We will be filled. That's a blessing. That's a void in everyone that can be filled. And we as his people... The kingdom that he's established. That's why Jesus Christ came to establish that kingdom. He's saying, every one of my subjects, I will fill you when you thirst and hunger for me. There is a paraphrase that goes like this. Blessed are those who passionately long for the Lord Jesus Christ, for he will satisfy their souls. That's the blessing that he gives for those of us when our hunger and our thirst is for righteousness. And he talks about blessed are the merciful. Now how many of us need to be shown some mercy? I know I need to show some mercy. But you know there's this saying, you reap what you sow. Those who demonstrate mercy will receive mercy. But actually, that mercy started with God. He showed us mercy first. We are all the recipients of his mercy. Mercy, forgiveness, 
How often we love our pity party. We store up whatever you want to store up and we enjoy that. We just can't forgive that person because they did this to us. And guess what? To be quite honest, from a practical standpoint, that person's going about life totally unconcerned. Who's having the heart attack? Who's getting stressed out? Those of us who are harboring unforgiveness. And I've said it before. Things like unforgiveness, unwarranted anger. It's like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. It ain't gonna happen. And the more mercy we show, the reward is we will receive mercy. That's a blessing. That is a blessing. Offering kindness and compassion towards others. That's showing mercy. Not because they're going to give us something back, but because we can do it, we do it. Out of the goodness of God's love, we like to say out of the goodness of our heart, but it's God's love residing in us that allows us to do that. Allow that to happen in your life. Experience the wonder, the beauty, and the joy of being merciful, of showing kindness, not to receive, but to be kind, showing compassion, forgiving, not because you've been told to, but in spite of. It comes back. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Then we look at the pure in heart. You know, God understands why I'm like this. I'm only human. I'll be excused. The pure in heart are those who've been cleansed from within. You're not talking about outward righteousness that men can see. God sees the heart. Or motivation. I can come to Calvary Bible Church and I can talk and I can say all kinds of things. I can even be real nice. But if it's to impress you, that means absolutely nothing to God. Absolutely nothing. He's looking for purity of heart. A desire to glorify Him. That he be magnified, that he be lifted up, that he be exalted. Not me. Now, if I get so great that I think that I am, what's the word? The self made man? Well, I'm going to be brought down quite a few notches. Because God will not share his glory with anybody. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Without holiness, no man will see God. That's Hebrews. Allow God to 
cleanse us. Recognize that we are poor in spirit. Mourn. Do the modern day sackcloth thing. Be truly contrite and ask for forgiveness. Recognize that we are nothing without God. And he will bless us. We will get to see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. How do we have our peace with God? Only one way. Through Jesus Christ. That restores our fellowship with God. That restored fellowship is peace. Now when God entrusts us with the same message of reconciliation, we are being reconciled. He expects us to share that message with others. So they too can be reconciled. But also that reconciliation with God, recognizing that, that should play itself out in the unity within God's kingdom. Gone should be the day when we have cliques and there's backstabbing and whispering about this person and that person. We all have one goal, the glorification of God. I should be supporting you. You should support me. When I fall, lift me up. Don't knock me down. Don't say, like, see that? I know I was coming. But say, oh, see that? All right. But Paul needs help. That message of reconciliation. Let's make sure that whenever it falls down, be a part of, what you call it, the, um, the EMS team. It brings it back together. Constantly restoring that fellowship with Jesus Christ. And then comes one of the hard ones. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or how we love persecution. How we love persecution. We look for it everywhere, just so we could be persecuted. And we look for persecution so we could inherit the kingdom of heaven, right? Okay, I could tell you all that agree with everything I say. But we live in a world and the secret is no longer a secret. We live in a world that doesn't love our God. And increasingly we're becoming a minority. And, you know, we, talk, we look and we see persecution in far places. People being killed because of the gospel. But I submit that right here in or dear Bahamas. We are persecuted because of our faith. When we stand for righteousness, we are ridiculed, we, tried, we will 
people will try to quiet us, distract us. And we say, well, what's the use? And actually, that's a subtle persecution that's probably even more effective than the persecution that you may find in Iraq or wherever else. Because we as God's people, we've been silenced to the point where we have no influence. Those people in China, the more that they are killed and tortured, the more they speak out, the more they make their presence felt. Don't fall victim to the subtle persecution. Recognize it for what it is. Let your voice be heard. In our families, that stand for Jesus Christ. In all of our relationships, that stand for Jesus Christ. Don't allow our lawmakers or employers to cause us to hide who we are. It doesn't mean that when we should be working, we read the Bible, you know, or, you know, our head is down, and then the boss comes by, slaps you, you say, Amen. It doesn't mean that. Be pure in heart. Don't do anything that you'd be ashamed of the Lord seeing you do. Be deliberate in your witness. Live a life that the Lord would find acceptable, would be pleased with. And if you become a victim of the subtle persecution, so be it. If you become a victim of the overt persecution, so be it. But know and be assured that yours is the kingdom of heaven. And those are blessings that we all have. All those of us that are in my family, our last name is Redeemed. And you don't have to wish for it. You don't have to think whether we're going to get it. It's ours. But, and there is a but, we are blessed when we are peacemakers, when we are pure in heart, when we are poor in spirit. God has indicated the blessings that we will receive. The action and the consequence. We all, yes, we have His grace, but there is action and there is consequence. Blessed are those daring enough to live for righteousness and suffer persecution, for they will receive the kingdom of God. The key to experiencing a truly blessed 2015 and beyond. That's what I hope I've presented. And I pray that you will experience the depths of God's blessings this year and forever by recognizing them, appropriating them, and let's please grow in the grace of God. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. 
Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've reserved for us, your people. Lord, we pray that as we leave this place, that you will take your word with us, that it will give us hope, that will give us strength, that we will persevere, and in all that we do, that you would be indeed be glorified as we praise you in thought, in word, and in deed. To you be all the glory. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen.